build a highly profitable real estate machine with explosive, exponential growth that works harder for you than you work for it while living a life by design. Breakthroughs are all around you, but you don't see them until now. Join Jason Williford here at The Ultimate Real Estate Machine as he converses with highly respected and world-renowned experts from inside and outside the real estate industry. You'll discover proven business, marketing, and sales strategies that transform you into the most trusted, dominant, and influential expert in your market, the preeminent agent. Each episode brings you one step closer to the highly profitable and fulfilling real estate business that you've been longing for. Here's your host, Jason Williford. I have a special uh, guest on today. I'm super excited. Uh, I have Miss Ann Yatch. Uh, she's the co-founder of SEAL Team Leaders. Uh, it's an organization that shows you how to build leaders within your organization, how to think, how to act, how to lead like an elite SEAL Team member. Uh, her and her Navy SEAL husband, Larry Yatch, only work with exceptional entrepreneurs to activate leaders at every level, level because they know this allows you to create the life and business that you want. Uh, Anne is an amazing female on a mission to change the world with proven leadership strategies that her and her husband have learned from the Navy SEALs. Uh, what happens is part of this question going into this, Miss Ann, what happens with a real estate team when the team fights to fight with you versus against you? The team thinks like you. The entire team is motivated and stays motivated. The team has new resources, tools, and system to increase ownership and discipline. The team has clarity. It identifies what and who uh, does what and who and what do you not do. Uh, the team that breaks habits uh, that don't serve the greater vision. The team that builds confidence uh, to have each other's back. The team that learns to implement to full completion. Um, uh, you get on and you stay on the competitive edge together. But, but, but. What do your results look like when your team unlocks performance and ownership from all team members? Uh, they create uh, you all create crystal clear clarity for the team to operate harmoniously. The entire team knows your company's vision and mission and they execute. Uh, they create excitement to get tasks done uh, daily executed. Uh, the team has the utmost highest accountability to complete any objective. Uh, they have proven systems, processes in place to work seamlessly, uh, inspire to build leaders within your team, drive highly effective communication. We can go on and on and on, and I'm probably going on and on and on. Uh, without further ado, I want to welcome Miss Ann Yatch. How are you thank doing? You. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm so glad to be here. My goodness, what an amazing intro. I'm like, who is that person? That's amazing. <laughs> so thank but that, you. That intro could even be better. I could probably condense that intro, but uh, shoot, that's a lot of uh, freaking things uh, that a real estate team leader to operate at optimal in optimization in many areas. And I like to go back to that book that you may or may have not read uh, called Good to Great by Jim Collins. I love that book. It's a great one. Just There's like a difference in good to great. 
there is a massive difference. It's the difference between a team that gets stopped and a team that's unstoppable. I love it. Hey, and what we're going to talk about today is a hiring, onboarding, training, A plus plus players to your team. And what would you say are the characteristics of a Navy SEAL that make an extraordinary business leader? Well, you know, we have a very specific way that we look at it in our team. And I'll just share with you our core values so that you have a really clear concept of when we're hiring, this is the standard of performance that we hold people to. So very unique. And it's all from the Navy SEALs because my uh, my husband is a Navy SEAL. He was in for 10 years. So I'm going to walk you through these. And some of them are just going to ping your brain. You'll be like, what? I can't even com- like contemplate that. But the key is with core values, if you have something that's this high of a standard of performance, only the people that want to show up that way are going to show up in your life, in your business. So a couple of things. First one, one of our core values is process and automation. And so we want people that if they have to do something twice, they're going to put a standard of performance to it. Really big core value for us. Second, fully held responsibility. For most companies or most people, people do not hold, accept, and pass responsibility at the highest level. So that's a massive gap in organization. So for our team, fully held responsibility. When we commit to something, we're gonna hold it 100% of the time. Can you imagine what would happen if you had a team that did that 24 seven all the time? Absolutely love that. Yep. And then we have the third one, which is we lead at every level. So we lead at every level, but we manage when only when we can hold that responsibility. So we have a big focus in our team on the difference between leadership and management, which is if you think about most teams, every team member of every team has a different definition of leadership and management, which is where the teams get out of lockstep. Then we've got uh, aligned purpose. We never lose our team purpose, the project purpose, or the individual purpose. And so that's really essential when you're hiring and bringing on new people. You have to understand what is their individual purpose? How does that align with the team purpose? And how does it align with the greater purpose of the company, which not many people spend time on in that initial recruitment effort. And And they may attract the wrong players to their business. They might, if they don't know what the team purpose, the company purpose, and that individual purpose is that they're looking for. And then the last piece, which I love, I think this is something that really attracts people to working with us is success doesn't have to suck. That's one of our main core values. None of our lives have to be difficult at the cost of our success. So it's, uh, it's about the, which I, I call, and I go back, I think it's Zig Ziglar, uh, the will of life and having the eight spokes in the will of life where life just rarely, I don't know if life can be 100% fully balanced. And there's some people that believe, yes, it can. Some, no, you don't want to live a balanced life. But I do believe in the eight spokes of the wheel of uh, the all and business and financial is just two of the spokes of the wheel. Correct. Love that. I love um, that. What would you say when you're, because when you're looking to attract the right team members, uh, to your real estate team, uh, how would, uh, uh, because not every, not every, there's very few humans in the world that are attracted that know they have what it takes to be a Navy SEAL, right? Correct. <laughs> so how do you attract that top talent uh, to an organization? Well, you know what is interesting about the real estate industry, what I've found at least, is that 
I like looking at the person who's leading the charge in the company. So whoever that main entrepreneur is, and I look for the traits of that entrepreneur sometimes to find who he or she would most attract. And I almost backwards engineer it. So when you're thinking about hiring or bringing someone in, the very first thing that I would focus on is, okay, do I know what this person's desired outcome is for their life? Because if their desired outcome for their life is not in alignment with mine as the main entrepreneur leading the charge or with the company or with the team, then that person is not going to be a good fit for the culture. So that's really one of the key points is how do I better understand this person's desired outcome so that I can speak to that in my recruiting efforts? Um, so you believe in, like I believe in, hiring to your core values. 100%, because that's going to either attract or repel the right people. Love it. Uh, and how? what are ways that you suggest that uh, team leaders can attract the right people, uh, you know, even down to advertising copy or whatever you'd like to go into? Like, what are suggestions that you have of how people can attract the right fit? Well, I know that people attract the right fit through a variety of different options. You can either understand, you know, their PI index, which helps you better understand, okay, what type of person do I need in this role? But what we've found is really helpful is to give people the chance to work with us first and then to see how they respond to the culture that we have and then inviting them into perhaps a different role with us. So that's a little bit of the behind the scenes of what we do, just because if we can work with someone and see how they respond to our culture first and see if it's a fit, almost like a mini internship, then we know that that person is all in. Um, mini internship, uh, uh, which a, a bad way to cause what I'm about to say is a probation period, probation which is pretty period. much what it is. For sure. Uh, uh, just to make sure that you're a fit for each other. Um, uh, well, what quality in a perfect fit what are those qualities in a perfect fit? Well, for me, having a perfect fit, you've got to have a growth mindset. And so if anyone on this podcast is listening, you should read uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck, because <laughs> if you don't have a growth mindset, then you're not going to receive feedback well, you're not going to work well as a team on a team, and you're probably going to have extremely high ex standards of performance for yourself, and then expect that of everybody else. And so you're not going to be coachable. You're not going to be coachable, right? So growth mindset is key. Um, so we're always looking for people that can identify, here's where I'm fixed mindset, here's where I'm growth mindset. And if they can't identify a fair amount of growth mindset, then typically, you know, you want to move on to the next person. The other piece is I always look for people that have done some personal development work because mm -hmm. that way you remove people who have too high of an arrogance level. Again, not coachable. Yeah, and that's one thing I've noticed through that became, and I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of uh, salespeople through the years in other industries. I've interviewed, I'm sure, hundreds of real estate agents as well. And I had an epiphany just a couple of years ago uh, that, hey, you know, it's not just about for economics for people. They want to, and I'm a little slow sometimes, so it took me a little bit to catch on, like, 20 years uh, to understand this at a deeper level, uh, but uh, that people want to know that they're personally growing yeah. and headed somewhere and they're not stuck Correct. where they're currently at. And also if you can give them the opportunity on your team to grow and evolve, and that's part of your recruitment and, and enrollment process, mm -hmm. and that person is going to feel such a deep sense of loyalty to you because you've been willing to invest in them as an individual. Do you believe in a ladder of ascension through the company? 
Be more specific. What do you mean? Where people the ladder of ascension being that, hey, you start out uh, like in a beautiful world, uh, in my world, from my team in real estate, a beautiful world would be uh, someone starting out as an inside sales agent and learning, uh, in my opinion, uh, one of the hardest skill sets, which is converting a lead to a face-to-face appointment. So they start out as an ISA and then they... Uh, they step up the ladder of ascension into a buyer's agent. They learn that buyer side of the business. Then they step up the ladder of ascension. They go into a listing agent because uh, that's really two totally, completely different sides of the business uh, to be optimum in those skill sets. And then uh, they work up and uh, they become uh, a sales leader. Then they become a general manager with the company. Then they have opportunities to keep on climbing within the organization. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like well, having I'm a ladder, in, in whether really people want to stay where they're at or not having that ladder in place. I mean, I love that concept, especially in real estate, because the more you learn and the more you grow individually, the higher you can move on that ladder. And so from my perspective, having a stepping stone where people can easily see the journey that they can take, mm-hmm. understand the skill sets that have to evolve within them as they proceed down that journey that's such a clear visual. And that really speaks to the internal dynamic of most people, because if they can see there's a journey here, there's upward momentum at all times, and it's dependent on me and my skill set, then you've got a really incredible asset for the company. Love that. Um, I love, love that. Uh, how do you know someone? And I know you got into some of that content when you're talking about who do I want, but also how do you know immediately where someone that doesn't mean they're bad people, but they may not be a right fit uh, for your team. Usually for me, if I'm interviewing, um, I can assess pretty quickly because my background, I uh, work for the defense intelligence agency and I do a fair amount of observation around people with them. Plus I worked in trauma. And so I can sense people's trauma right off the bat. So one of the things that I'm always looking for is what were the lessons that they learned from any either small trauma or big trauma that they experienced in their life? And how did they improve themselves from that experience? I guess it just comes back to the core values. Like, do they match your company's core values? Or are they willing to learn and grow? Because that's like, if you have too much arrogance in a role, sometimes like as a sales rep, oh, that's great that they have arrogance because they're going to close more. But I look more for the alignment of the person. Are they congruently who they say they are? Are they showing that in their actions, their emotions, their physicality? Uh, what are indicators that you look to look for being that uh, you worked around military intelligence, where I'm sure that you've been trained at a high level uh, to watch body language, to watch tonality, uh, eye movement, uh, a lot of indicators to to know if someone's being truthful with you in an interview or not. Can you hit like some telltale indicators of where someone may not be honest with you? Uh, What are some body language and things that they may give? I wish I could give you more specifics on this because it's, I think now so ingrained in how I engage that I don't even Uh think about the basics of it, but I'm conscious. Yeah. It's also conscious for me now, but when I engage with someone, I'm looking for that alignment and congruity congruity, the way they show up, is that the same as the energy that I'm feeling coming off of them? And, you know, that's where the eye movement, the body language, all those different things add into that perspective. Mm -hmm. So I think I probably couldn't break it down for you now, just because it's been so long. It's so deeply in my subconscious, but Uh. 
I would say you're really looking for the energetic response to the person, which is does their energy and their speech and their emotion and who they come across as, is it all the same? Is it consistent? Or are these gaps that show up in different aspects of those pieces of themselves? And, and I believe that all, all humans, if they want to want to start somewhere and they're in an interviewing process, we are all going to put on our best game face. Every human, Every human is going to do that, which is truth. And, uh, and some, and I've been told many times during an interview uh, that, Hey, I'm going to do X I'm all in and I'm going to do it without a doubt. Uh, you know, I want this bad, but I don't a month later, they're not all in like they said they would be. And a uh, lot of people use a lot of words, right? They use a lot of words yeah. to try to communicate with you. I look beyond the words. How do you pinpoint that before you hire that person that's not going to do what they so, said they're going to do? Have I don't talk to anybody. Yeah, I don't talk to anybody about what they say they're going to commit to because most people have no ability to commit because there's no process for them to commit. So what I do instead is I always ask them, what are your expectations of me in this role? And what and then I share here are my expectations of you. And if they're not syncing up, then I know for AT, this person is not going to be a good fit because someone has to be able to accept and receive expectations. And they must have spent some time thinking about what they need to be at their best in any role. And if they haven't spent that time, then you know it's not going to be a self-aware enough person to hire. I absolutely love that. Um, and I, I relate back to an interview that uh, that I heard one time, probably four or five years ago, that was very profound. And it was on a podcast like we're doing now that hopefully will help other people that are looking to hire uh, people to their team, whether they be agents, whether they be uh, admin, whether they be inside sales agents, whoever it may be to join the team. Uh, but it was Jay Abraham, one of my direct mentors podcast, the ultimate entrepreneur. And he was interviewing uh, Harvey McKay, which is like uh, uh, one of the most world renowned mm-hmm. uh, uh, sales mentors like in the world. And he asked Harvey, it's like, hey, what is the, if you can pinpoint one thing within an organization uh, for that one skill to get great at, what would it be? Harvey's answer was, and he spelled it out. You have to learn how to H-I-R-E, hire, where Harvey goes deep into detail on that episode and talks about that, hey, I want, uh, I want to go, I want to date them uh, for a while to make sure that I have the right fit. If I could uh, do an autopsy of their brain and see, get into their brain and know exactly how they think, I want to go back to their childhood. I want to go uh, I want to go all through there to make sure that I have the right hire. And I'm going back to a quote that I, I utilize from Darren Hardy. And uh, he says in one of his books that uh, a great hire, a magnificent hire, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, can take your business uh, to uh, stratospheric levels. That's but true. I like to add my own piece into that also, that a bad hire can also be catastrophic as well. That is true. And, you know, I agree with what they're saying about the hiring piece, but I would say there are two extra pieces on that as a skill set that you need to have. Number one, behavior change, because the root of every issue in your company is going to be behavior of an individual. 
So you've got to learn a pattern change. Yeah. You got to learn how do I break these patterns? How do I change someone's behavior? How do I start, stop, or modify a behavior so the team wins? So that's Can you give us an example? Sure. So um, I would say that a couple of good examples of behavior that needs to change is there's an arrogance factor where people can't be coached. That's something that shows up. There's victim mentality, which is something that shows up in a lot of people, you know, blaming everybody else for the situations or can, can you hit that one? Give us, let's play that exa- example. Uh, uh, the victim mentality, let's say uh, that you have someone on the team and you can tell, uh, and that's an anchor and yeah. it's holding the whole team down because that one uh, team member feels like they're a victim, that they're not getting the best leads, that uh, uh, someone else is getting cherry-picked leads or appointments, and uh, uh, their friends with the team leader or whatever it may be, they're playing victim. How do you break them out of that pattern? So usually what I do is I run them through a process called superpower versus kryptonite, which helps them identify, <laughs> here's my greatest superpower, here's my kryptonite, and the victim mentality will show up as their kryptonite. And until they see it and recognize it, you can't get any movement. But the second they see, oh my God, look at what I'm doing to myself. They want to change it with every ounce of interest in their body. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, that's, I love that. Uh, it's incredible uh, to watch somebody shift from blaming everyone around them to be like, oh my God, if I own this part of my life, there's no ceiling to what I can accomplish. That just completely reframes the entire team. It's, it's such a breakthrough. And uh, here's a, and it's kind of a weird experiment that I have, but I live in uh, Miami Beach and South Beach and across uh, from my building, there's a karaoke place and uh, I sing horribly, but I, uh, I every it. once in a while I'll go over there and it's a fun to me. I have fun, but it's an experiment to me. And part of my uh, evil experiment, I say that jokingly, is I love to break through. Uh, give people breakthroughs because one of the biggest human fears, if not the biggest human fear is the fear of public speaking. And if I can get them on a stage in front of a crowd of a hundred people and them having fun uh, singing, I feel, and I could be wrong, but I feel that I can give them breakthroughs in many other areas of your life. And that's where I love how you're giving, breaking somebody of that victim habit that they have in their business because they're probably showing up like that in every other area of their life too. They are a hundred percent. And if you can break it in one aspect of the life, you can break it in all aspects of the life. And then they show up even better for their team, which is the whole point. Let's say I'm a massive procrastinator. I'm on your team and uh, theoretically speaking, Mm -hmm. uh, which I can sometimes have some procrastination too, just being open and real. uh, uh, How would you, if I'm on your team and you acting as a Navy SEAL team business leader, how would you help me break through my procrastination and execute? So the way I would probably look at your procrastination is that I would address it at three different levels. So I'd address it first on the mindset side, which is part of how you condition yourself, right? So there's something in your mindset that's telling you that you need to procrastinate. So I'd first identify that. Then I'd go to the next level deeper, which is the conscious mind. And I'd look at, okay, mm-hmm. if his mindset was telling him this lie and his conscious mind is telling him this other lie around procrastination, Then I go deeper to the subconscious and I'd be able to identify, here's the trauma that causes you to believe these two lies. And then I would rewire it. So those two lies no longer would impact you at the same level they're impacting you now and give you some processes and procedures 
to work into your life so you could practice building this new muscle. So you I love that. Five sessions. It's not I'm a, a, I'm a huge fan of human psychology, human behavior, uh, human communication, mm-hmm. uh, how you talk to yourself, internal communication, which is the most important in my humble opinion. Um, uh, curiosity kills the cat. I'm sure that being in a military uh, being in the high level military that you and Larry have been in, what kind of training or uh, without having to kill me or anything, what kind of psychological training do you get? Is it like neuro linguistics programming type stuff that the military well, it, gives you or the government? It depends on what your, what your role is as to what training you get for sure. Right. But I would say we've learned even more about, anything like neuro-linguistic reprogramming and how the neurochemistry of the brain works literally outside of our time, you know, outside of the time in the Navy SEALs, we've done more learning, more growth, more training outside of that to bring this information into um, different companies. So everyone always assumes, right, that because of the Navy SEAL background, you're going to have it all came from them. skill sets, right? But yeah. what we did was we backwards engineered some of these cool things that nobody could really understand. They knew it was existing. Like, Navy SEALs can accomplish impossible missions. Well, how do they actually do that? How do they build that connection as a team that's so unique and intense that it can withstand anything? And that's what we did, but we did it more through the recent stuff that we've learned even than the stuff from back in the SEAL teams. Wow, that's so cool. That's all just super and cool what uh, Larry has done and what you have done I've, uh, uh, in the past, in the military and, what, military and what you're currently doing and will do in the future. Um, yep, you never um, stop evolving. Always got to be learning. Always learning. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel uh, now that we've hired the right fit? Right. Uh, it would be like, uh, what would not be right? And here's, here's my view on... even the interviewing process and then we'll move forward is that when I am interviewing, I've learned that, Hey, it's not about me. It's on that. It's about that other person that's on the other side of that table. And uh, that's how I look at it. And it's my job uh, to have to let them know how it's going to be on the front side and not only set the right expectations, but uh, set the right expectations, the right commitments of each other uh, before we start. And actually my goal of that interview uh, is that probably half of them, at least 50% of them is at the end of that interview going to say, Hey man, I appreciate you being honest with me, but this is probably not the right fit for me. Um, um, that's the way that's, and, and I'm, I'm an, I'm evolving. I'm not perfect. I may see things differently a year from now than I currently uh, see things. I may not know what I don't know right now, uh, but that's the way that I currently see it. And I currently like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, my question for you, we've now hired the perfect fit. We've got a great a plus plus. Uh, team member uh, that's going to execute and they're going to be a fabulous team member. But now we can't just throw them out to the wolves because the Navy SEALs doesn't just throw you out to the wolves. You got onboarding training, which they call Navy SEAL boot camp. What is, uh, so what's your take on that in onboarding uh, people properly within an organization? 
Well, we probably do it a little bit differently, right? Because from our perspective, the most important piece is the hiring and the onboarding. And so we tend to have every person on our team get to spend time with the new hire before they're even hired. Because we want the assessment of all the different levels, because we have a lot of amazing coaches and psychological experts on our team. So we will run them through that process. But once you're onboarding someone, the key is to give them consistent small chunks of improvement that they can do so that they can feel like they are valuable and they're contributing. Because the more you keep somebody in that feeling in that space of I am valuable, I am contributing, the more success you're going to see with regards to how they integrate in that team. Micro successes. Can you give us an example on uh, how, how an organization can do that to give micro successes, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly? Well, sometimes we pair them with somebody on our team as a buddy so that that buddy can teach them some of the cool content that we're, we're working on just so that they can start to own the fact that they're part of a team and can contribute on the content side. Sometimes, you know, for a real estate team, I think what you spoke to earlier, which is giving them the chance to participate at each of the different roles, even just have an understanding of how the different mm -hmm. roles work together. Because if you don't have that, you literally don't know how the blood runs through the body of organization for your team. So yeah. I think you're dead on with that, giving them that experience is key. Yeah. Example that I would like to use is, um, and that's the podcast. Even the book is the same name of the podcast, The Ultimate Real Estate Machine. It's about building a machine that works harder and harder for you versus you having to work harder and harder for the machine. Uh, and part of uh, the machine uh, that we built through the years uh, is having a call center. Because here's the, here's the fact Real estate agents and probably pretty much almost close to every human being, uh, their favorite thing is not making a bunch of lead conversion calls uh, to complete strangers. Uh, that's tough. Humans aren't programmed to do that. Uh, uh, and it's what I've found over over the years. For one, agents don't like doing that. For two, uh, the right fit of agents, they're usually best face-to-face -face anyway. So when you have a call center, uh, when you build a call center like we did of inside sales agents, that that is their job. When you hire to that high skill set of somebody making this used to making outbound calls day in, day out, that's done it for a long time. They got the experience. They're that, they're that pilot uh, that... Uh, has flown 5,000 flights, not their first rodeo. There's a difference in the experience level. Uh, uh, but that person is, um, that person is able to, you know, make those calls at a high level. They have, they're unconsciously competent in that skill factor. Going back to the onboarding process of agents, uh, because for lack of better terms, I like to use my training as it is like Navy SEAL boot camp, even though it probably it's not Navy SEAL boot camp. Uh, it's probably as close as you can get to it in real estate uh, to where it's the very first week is uh, 44 hours of in board uh, in classroom training. That's practicing, drilling, rehearsing uh, over and over and over again. And then each evening going home uh, and studying, studying memori memorization, internalizing scripts and presentations, uh, et cetera, uh, where that's another 20 to 25 hours 
uh, in that very first week through immersion uh, to immerse in that skill set where uh, I grow real estate agents very fast, not in a braggadocious way. Uh, I don't I'm not great at too many things in life, but that I am exceptional at because I've done it for so long, been trained by amazing mentors. Uh, but uh, that is part of the training on the tail end of the training is that, hey, you learn how to uh, lead conversion scripts and you've been practicing them. So and the next piece is going over into the call center and you're going to ride with an inside sales agent that that's what they do day in, day out. And they have currently, they've been with the company for four years now. And every year they have approximately 2000 hours worth of experience in that skill set. So now they have about 8,000 hours worth of skill set oh, under their, book, their belt. Uh, so that is one reason you're going to get to learn from them. But number two, you're going to appreciate more those face-to-face appointments that they are setting for you to get that are qualified appointments to get your foot in the door for a listing appointment or uh, a buyer appointment for you to earn a client's business. I think that's brilliant because here's the other piece, right? You can't appreciate the people that are handing you leads unless you see what they go through to get those leads. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a level of gratitude and appreciation that's needed. And what you did with your system, which I just want to acknowledge here for a moment, because it is so brilliant. You created a system where the foundations of learning are applied. You have to learn something new. You have to practice it with a little bit of risk. And then you have to experience it at higher risk to prove to yourself and to build the confidence that you can do it. And you took that formula and you wove it into how you onboard people. And that is literally one of the best systems I've seen. Thank you. Uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. I don't think you're right. <laughs> but that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, thank you so much, though, uh, especially coming from you. What a, what a compliment. Thank you. Um, uh, how does and how does the right training, like life, life as a real estate agent, life as a team leader, can be stressful. I'll tell you a very fast story. And it's one of a very successful team leader in Atlanta that I will not mention their names. They're one of probably in the top five to 10 in Atlanta, uh, sell a ton of homes. Uh, But I met with uh, this individual one time and uh, it saddened me what happened to her. Uh, but, but I understood where it was coming from, the stress and frustration. Bless this young lady's heart. She actually locked herself in a car one evening and said that she had cr- she cried for like an hour straight because the pressure, the stress, the frustration got to her. And I even talk about that in chapter two of the book. Uh, the chapter is Unleash your creative breakthrough genius within and it's to have mental breakthroughs without having mental breakdowns. And my question to you is, is how can uh, team leaders, high performing real estate agents uh, program themselves better for when they do get under high levels of stress and frustration? How did they uh, train themselves to better not have a bad 
knee-jerk reaction, which I've had many of those. Unfortunately, I'm not a perfect person. I've made many mistakes. I've made many leadership mistakes on the way. Uh, I still make them, I'm sure. But uh, what, what is your suggestion of how people can keep getting better to perform optimal under pressure? So to perform at an optimal level under pressure, there are a couple of things that I would suggest. Number one, you have to, as an individual, be aware of where you get triggered and why you get triggered emotionally. So that's the first piece. Once you know how and where you get triggered, then you can identify what we call the observer consciousness, which is where you pull back from that situation and you watch it like you're standing on a balcony and you observe it so that you can separate from how you're showing up in that moment with that trigger and how you would like to observe yourself showing up in that moment with that trigger. Now it's a simple concept, but when you're in that moment with all that stress, it's sometimes very hard to dis almost like disassociate yourself from the experience. So that's why you have to know what your triggers are first. Like you have to know, do I have victim issues that show up? Do mm -hmm. I have issues that show up? Do I have issues with people when they're more aggressive towards me? How do I want to handle that? So there's a lot mm. of introspection that's required to avoid those breakdowns. The human mind is amazing. And there's so many layers that even uh, it's just so fascinating to me because there's so many layers that go back to uh, childhood. And oh. uh, I and I do know how to at a kindergarten level. I'm not a master uh, hypnotist, uh, but I have learned through high level uh, neuro linguistics programming training and human communication, human behavior, approximately over $60,000 worth of just that training in the past two and a half years or whatnot, because why did I get that training? Because I always want to get better. Uh, and I had some rough times growing up, which a lot of people have. Uh, uh, so part of it was fascination, but part of it is I know my internal thinking is where it all starts. I think there's a fallacy in psychology and the fallacy that's used is uh, that psychology is 80% of your success. I think it's close to, if not, 100%. I would say that's accurate. And that's why it always makes me laugh when people are like, oh, no, I don't have a coach, but I want to be a high performer. I'm like, what do you think the highest performers in the world have? The Olympians, they all have coaches because they know that 99.9% .9 of their game or their skill is based on what's up here. Hey, I know you're a super busy lady and I know we're running out of time, uh, but you just hit on something that I think we can end with today because I know there's a shortcut to success. There is. And I feel that the shortcut to success uh, where you don't have to take every single step to the top, that's a fallacy too, because you can take the elevator to the top. You can take the escalator to the top. Uh, you don't have to, you can skip steps. And here's how you do it is through a powerful mentor that's been there and done what there have been to where you're wanting to go. They have all the hard lessons learned. Uh, they've been through all the bad experiences. They've been through the mistakes. Uh, one of the mistakes that I made, uh, uh, I have a, a marketing campaign uh, uh, radio just from one radio station generated over $6 million worth of, worth of gross commission. 
But here's a secret. I have another little story where I lost us about $120,000 in about three months too. But I learned through that lesson, the hard way of things to do and things not to do uh, that I'm able to help others with. What are your thoughts on that? Mentor, having a great mentor. I think that you've got to have a great mentor, number one, who's created in their life exactly the life that you most want to create whether it's on the business front, the personal front or the family front. Mm. And then I would also say, just like a mentor, you also need a coach unless the mentor has a very specific system to get you there. And some mentors do, some mentors don't. So I like the concept of having a mentor to get you where you need to go in business and a coach to get you where you need to be personally to get you where you need to go in business. That's what I've seen as a good combination. But if you've got a mentor who's also a coach winning, you've got a pretty great system. What is up? What is your definition? What's the difference to you, a coach and a mentor? So I can only go off of what I've experienced on both of the sides. Typically, a coach is someone who has the knowledge, the deep-seated knowledge in neuro-linguistic reprogramming, uh, mindset, behavior change, um, conscious versus subconscious reprogramming. The coach has got to have all those skill sets to help reprogram the lies that are living in your body that are trying to control you. The mentor has to be the person who's achieved the level of success that you want to achieve in business and has systems and processes to get you there, if that makes sense. And when you have the ultimate mentor, the masterful mentor, the guru is when you have both. Usually it is. Yes. It's in the, it's in my book. It's in one of the chapters and it came from uh, Jay Abraham uh, It's the four steps to greatness. And that's step number four. And it it even goes into it in that chapter. Like, what are the differences uh, in a coach, in a mentor? uh, uh, But you you nailed it. I love it. (laughs) Miss Ann, uh, is there anything that you would like to close with? Uh, How do people uh, get in touch with you? Sure. Well, because it's such a supportive group here, I do a lot of work in the real estate space. And if anyone's ever watched the movie or the TV show Billions, there's that amazing peak performance coach that works with all those high level private equity guys and gals. That's what people have always referenced me as. So if there is something on your team, behavior change that you want to change, or if you want just to up level your performance to an even higher level, that's where you can reach out to me directly. And I will make sure that you connect with me personally. So it was just through my email, Annie, A-N-N-I-E at sealteamleaders.com. Miss Annie, I'll be seeing you very soon. Are you, uh, uh, what, in about a week or so? Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, Well, hey, I really do appreciate you. uh, Appreciate your friendship. uh, And anything I can help you with, please let me know, okay? Well, thank you so much, Jason. I'm so thankful to be here. And I hope everybody took a lot of value out of this. And I thank you for putting it together. You're amazing. Thank you. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of The Ultimate Real Estate Machine. May your real estate machine be extremely rewarding, fulfilling, and life-changing for you and all the people that you impact. Claim those skyrocketing results that you demand from your real estate business. Subscribe to the show for more content like this at Ultimate Real Estate Machine, the podcast.com. And don't forget to leave a positive rating. Thank you for joining us. See you on the next episode.